You are listening to Living with Corona, Bridging the Gaps, a podcast that aims to initiate a larger global conversation about the current pandemic and address the questions we feel have largely been left unanswered. Our goal is to address the questions and concerns we have today by listening to the experiences of others. Our efforts and intentions are honest, with the objective being to build an understanding between people that bridges continents and connects our world. Listen in, speak up, and be heard. He was in that position of power, and he definitely lorded that power over me. But he's creepy. He definitely did things that were highly inappropriate that he should not have. In my short life, I can say that I have lost vital people for me. I have suffered, but I caught back up. There's no time constraint to overcome a loss. You can only accept it and coexist with it. One needs to forgive life in order to obtain the peace one deserves. I, I've accepted that she's gone. But I don't think I've gotten the true closure I wish I would have gotten. It's about time. We have to do things differently for crying out loud. We have to do things differently. We can make it work. We cannot for sure minimize in any way all the stories that have happened. They're, they're, an in, they're individual stories, you know, and so those individual stories make up the collective story. Then it's like, okay, let's work through and honor the pain and the loss that's there. Today's episode is a continuation on our conversation on loss. We work to unpack and delve more deeply into the theme of loss and the process of grief. Through our conversations with our interviewees, we hope to cast a mirror upon the collective grief we're all currently experiencing. Our moderator for today's episode is Joyce Beck, who was a psychotherapist for 32 years, working initially in hospital setting before moving to inpatient and outpatient psychiatric work. Her career as a psychotherapist ended with 11 years of private practice specializing in emotional and physical abuse, self-empowerment, and couples therapy. Joyce is a board advisor of Peace Through Commerce, a freestanding, independent, nonprofit organization committed to creating a world of evolving consciousness and peace for all. Peace Through Commerce acted as an event partner for the Nobel Peace Prize Forum following the Nobel Peace Prize celebration in Oslo, Norway in 2018. Our first interviewee is 23-year-old Claire Marie Bradley from Minnesota. Her personal story throughout the corona pandemic represents that of a double tragedy. The loss of her only financial support system, her employment as a nanny, followed by sexual harassment from her new boss, who, being a doctor, is considered an essential worker. So I started with this brand new family. Um, The mom and dad were both doctors. They were pretty cool. I started, I really liked the mom, but I always got a creepy vibe from the dad. And I had never had this in any other nanny family or babysitting family I had ever worked for before. So I just thought more about it. And I said, you know what, like, let's just stop thinking about this. Because if you think about it too much, you're going to freak yourself out about it. You're going to think about it more. And it's just going to be an uncomfortable situation. 
is you're talking about how complicated pain and loss is, how complicated it is, you know, and, and how, it, how there's a, a domino effect. You know, it's like, you know, you go, you go into that, that shock place, you know, you go into that denial place. They are helpful touch points for people. Her stages of grief, you know, begin with denial. Oh, it, oh it's, this, isn't, this isn't such a big deal. You know, I don't even know if it's real. That kind of thing, that denial. About a week in, there were some red flags that started happening, and it wasn't just, hey, I feel uncomfortable around him anymore. Um, he would start doing things. There was a morning when he came in and he said, you know, I really would love for you to teach the girls and I yoga. That would be so fun. Um, can we do that later today? And because he was my boss, because he made my schedule, he knows what I'm doing during the day, I felt uncomfortable to say no. So I just said, sure. So later in the day, I taught him and the girls, and it was just really uncomfortable for me. But again, I just thought, you know, stop thinking about it. There's no reason for you to think about this right now. Um, just try to stay away from him as much as you can. If he does something that's creepier than what is already going on, I'm going to have to quit. I don't know what he's going to do. Like, I just get this feeling that he's going to, like, do something creepier. Maybe he's testing the waters. I don't know what's going on. Claire's situation is unique. At 23, she's been financially independent since the age of 17, sustaining her livelihood only due to her hardworking spirit. Like many people in this time, she's lost her job of three years that she loved alongside the kids she had helped raise. Instead of filing for unemployment, she decided that the best course of action was to try and find a new, more secure job post. Her story of abuse is gripping. So we're upstairs in the kitchen, we're completely alone, and he comes up to me and he's like, hey, um, I have a question for you, and it's pretty personal, um, do you have a boyfriend? And I said, no. And I'm like thinking, okay, well, why is he asking me this question? He goes further with the question, are you talking to anyone? Are you interested in anyone right now? So I said, no. And he goes, okay, well, and he instantly got so awkward, so uncomfortable, so nervous. He was so awkward. He goes, um, uh, so there is a cabin that I own in Telluride, Colorado, and I would really like it if you could come with the girls and I to the cabin. And it would be a really fun trip. So Alex is his wife. He goes, Alex will not be coming with. Um, but this is just such a beautiful place. And it's so isolated. He said the word isolated three times. It was just so odd. And I want to let you know, I don't ask a lot of people this. I've never asked a nanny this before. And I was just so stuck. And the biggest thing is with coronavirus, he knew at the very beginning when I got the job, when he hired me, that I was so grateful for the job and that I really needed a job. He was in that position of power and he definitely lorded that power over me. He definitely did things that were highly inappropriate that he should not have. And so I did quit. Claire's testimonial really resonated with me and triggered me back to past experiences I've had with sexual harassment. Unfortunately, that may do that for many of you who are listening. Whether it's been a trauma or situation you've been conscious of or dealt with or has been repressed for some time. 
I was sexually harassed for months by a former employer in 2018. Hindsight is 2020, and in listening to the stories of countless other people who have experienced similar situations, it's hard not to look back and kick myself for not addressing it sooner. My boss knew I was relying on the income of the project-based work I was doing for him. Much like Claire, my former boss pushed his limits a little at a time so that by the time it had gotten so far, I was having panic attacks. When I denied his advances, he took a job opportunity away from me that would have guaranteed a couple months rent at my apartment. He knew what he was doing in using his power to manipulate me into precarious situations where I did not feel comfortable, valued, or safe. Getting through that experience from a mental standpoint is incredibly difficult. Our society, I'm speaking from a US perspective, enables power and oppresses those who speak out against its injustice. It's layers of hurt, disappointment, distrust, anger, and everything that goes along with grief. You have to get fired or laid off to get unemployment, but because I quit, I can't get unemployment. If I was in a situation where I just financially needed the money, I think it just really shows people's character in this time and like how good of a person they are. And like, you know, that people are going through certain things and you choose to either lord your power over them or you can be a good person. You know, I think I think the lesson is that we have more strength than we realize, which is a hopeful statement. And so when we find ourselves right now in chaos, we find ourselves in uncertainty like we've never known. We don't know what to believe. We don't know what to trust. You know, we don't know uh, what statistics are accurate. You know, and so, so we're in a place of true uncertainty and it's global uncertainty, you know? And so um, what do we do in uncertainty? First, we go to our own inner self and our own strengths. Where are they? And then the final stage is acceptance. And, and once you get to that place of acceptance, doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna stay there. And so like what you're talking about, a problem within a problem within a problem, you know, the context of the whole, you know, so one triggers another. You remember the other. So you might get to acceptance of, yes, COVID is real. Yes, I need to do about it. Yes, it's affected my freedom. Yes, I can deal with that. But I'm not so sure I'm finished with dealing with being sexually harassed, sexually abused, you know. So now I'm back at how am I going to accept that? So there are layers of it. Paula Gomez is yet a nursing undergraduate currently called to work in the hospital where she performed her internship. Paula is an example of the many young that have had to step up into the real world and halt their education prematurely. She has experienced the pain of loss through her personal life as well as her job in healthcare. Both have taught her lessons and shaped her values to have been able to speak so poignantly on a subject many of us have a hard time putting words to. For me, loss is the feeling that something very valuable has been taken away from you. It is as natural as life itself. We must assume that our life will be filled with loss in all senses. Once this is accepted, 
we can move forward in our path with another set of eyes, stronger and more resilient. When a big loss takes place, the first thing I feel is the absolute denial to assume what just happened. It is extremely complicated to accept changes in your life that you haven't searched for yourself. There's no time constraint to overcome a loss. You can only accept it and coexist with it. But one never knows when, at a certain moment, the gainings will come back. And just like losses, they often come without looking for them. There's this little, this, this little mantra, do all you can with what you have, in the time you have, in the place you are. Little mantra. At the hospital, you see people who go every day, and I like to think there's someplace better. People are never ready to say goodbye, no matter at what age. However, I've had the opportunity to attend some goodbyes that can only be described as beautiful and painful at the same time. When the time comes, I've been a witness of how people abandon pain and turn it into gratitude. That is the reason why all this really hurts. Nobody deserves to die in solitude. A dignified goodbye is the least we can give them. So this, this uh, dear friend of mine, you know, we were talking about social distancing and following, you know, following the rules and wearing your mask and you know, the importance of that. And at the same time, she's, she's in home hospice. And so at the same time, she's saying, she's saying, you know, is it worth it? Is it worth it to me not, you know, to see my family? Is it, you know, is it worth it to me to be isolated and alone? You know, I'm going to die anyway. Is it worth it? You know, and so I think what I'm what I'm trying to say is, you know, when you talk about implications on an individual level, it, you know, it's like each decision is critical. Each decision is within a context of its own. In my short life, I can say that I have lost vital people for me. I have suffered, but I got back up. It is so important to show your people that no matter what, you are there for them. Pain is more bearable when you left nothing pending to say, no, I care about you in your lips. Because that person left while knowing. One needs to forgive life in order to obtain the peace one deserves. But I just think it's so important that people realize that it doesn't have to be negative. You know, we want to honor and respect and work through and go through our grieving losses. We want to acknowledge them as they are each individual, and then take it to the community. You know, take it to what's lost in the community. What's the collective losses that we're dealing with? Bria is a 23-year-old traveling nurse from Minnesota who is now living and working in Bismarck, North Dakota. Due to COVID, she has been unable to travel back home for the past couple of months. As an essential worker on the front lines, she has had to make sacrifices daily to ensure her patients are safe and healthy, all while struggling herself to grasp what is going on in the world. In March, Bria's grandmother, Althea, passed away alongside her family in the Bahamas. Bria was forced to make the impossible decision to cancel her trip to attend the funeral because of the pandemic. Three months ago, we were kind of planning on going down to see my family in the Bahamas. Um, my grandma hasn't been in the best health, and since my grandpa passed away a year ago, we've kind of just expected her to slowly go to, just because with her Alzheimer's, 
and her health deteriorating, they didn't give her long at all. Like my mom got the call and she called me downstairs and she had passed away. During that time, COVID was kind of starting to come into the U.S. and it was becoming more of an issue. And then they, and then there was all those rumors and mainstream media saying everything's going to be shut down. And it came down to it where I had to basically pick, which was so hard, um, my family or my career and it was probably the hardest decision to make because I didn't get to go to my grandpa's funeral last year because of school. And so I had felt like I had already made the decision to choose myself in that time. And I had to choose myself again and the people I was going to be caring for instead of being with my family. And that was a really hard decision to make. Everybody has to, to search for the decisions that we make because each decision is a, is a real critical decision based on the values that we have accumulated over our lifetime, you know? I have thought about this a lot and I truly don't feel like I got closure. I regret not putting my family first because when we were videoed in for the funeral, it broke my heart to see her just standing there alone, having to grieve her mother. She has nine other siblings and everyone had their families there. Like, I just remember my cousins hugging their mom, my aunt, and just everyone really around each other. So just seeing my mom stand there alone, having to grieve, broke my heart. It's just something I don't think you'll ever be able to get over. And... Yeah, I don't I I really don't have words to explain just how heartbroken I was to see that. Another incredibly important point that Bria touched on was how difficult the days have gotten in her already challenging career field. She explained that in a way, she had to put her grief aside in order to serve her patients to the best of her ability. Despite being mentally and physically exhausted, she and her coworkers are the lifeline for everyone under their care at this time, like never before. I wanna say the initial steps to COVID prevention in the hospitals were no visitors. And so we would end up being the patient's family. We would be their caregivers. We would be their everything, their emotional support on top of being their nurse. And it was mentally, are, and it still is mentally draining. I don't think people understand how much a nurse truly does. Everybody has a personal story. Everybody has personal pain. Everybody deserves to have their pain listened to, responded to, comforted. We wanna honor and respect and work through and go through our grieving losses. We want to acknowledge them as they are, each individual. And then take it larger, take it to the community. You know, take it to what's lost in the community. What are those losses? Keep taking it out larger and larger to what's the collective losses that we're dealing with. Edith Henge is the Assistant Program Manager at Hammer Residences, a home healthcare agency that aims to provide adults and children with developmental disabilities the opportunity to live life to its fullest. 
She has spent her personal and professional career caring for the health and well-being of others through her dedicated work in home health care, volunteering for various nonprofits, and raising her three children alongside her husband, Kunde. I have to be very conscious about them because I am there to keep them healthy. I am there to pro I'm there to provide what they can do for themselves. I'm there to help them have a good day, have a good week, a good month, a good year, you know, on and on and on, just keep their lives moving in a good way. So I have to be very, very mindful of that. Because if it wasn't for them, if it weren't for them, I would not be there. They are I'm there because they are there. If that house was empty, what am I going to do there? Nothing. But as long as they are there and they need, need me, they need my services, they need what I can give them, hey, I'm in. And I have to come in ready. I have to come in and protect. I have to come in, make sure that nothing bad can transfer from me to them. Because it will kill me. You know how conscience can kill somebody? I know everybody that day will come when people, all of us will all die one by one. But not this way. We shouldn't be going out this way like... You just go solo. Nobody is there to hold your hand. Nobody is there to cover your eyes. These precious lives that have been lost spans across oceans, from continent to continent. In addition to her own pain and challenges, many of her friends and family that work in healthcare confide in one another to keep sanity in an otherwise chaotic time. That's why you see the nurses are they, they are striking that. Please stay home. You guys don't know. We stay on our feet for 12, 18 hours to help. You guys should stay home, please. Why do you want to kill us? You want to kill us? Poor people who are there to take care of you, they can't even rest. They are, first of all, the fear that is all coming over them is not funny. Then the, the sleepless hours. You Ah, man. We can stop it if we all work together and just listen. What we've seen, <laughs> I think we've seen so much divisiveness and hostility and a lack of cooperation, a lack of collaboration. We need to learn that science even is showing us that the way to be most effective and to be most responsible is to be compassionate, is to be collaborative, it's to be working together. It's science. And then we mix science with our spirituality, and now, now, we've, got a, now we've got reason to hope. When I got the call on Wednesday, I was at work. My chief, my chief, the highest, the second person in my company called. She said, well, this person at this house tested positive for COVID-19. Since you've worked at that house in the past this, this week, you have to go to the office first thing in the morning for you to be tested. Huh? I could hear my heart boop, 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 right in my chest was just beating like, oh my God, I'm dying. I'm dying, I'm dying. I know everybody that day will come when people, all of us will all die one by one. But not this way. We shouldn't be going out this way like you just go solo. Nobody is there to hold your hand. Nobody is there to cover your eyes. As a personal caregiver, Edith has witnessed, as well as experienced in her own skin, the loss and awe that this virus brings. Friends from the same career path have gone, patients who she's worked with daily, loved ones back home in Cameroon and throughout Africa. She talked about the closure she couldn't get, which echoes the feelings of Bria, Paula, and many others that might be listening. 
Her conclusion resonates with that of Joyce as she pleads for collaboration, empathy, and humanity overall. Very important to us to be to be kind of the microphone that we're hopefully talking about things and to people that will resonate across continents, you know, and across the oceans and across economic, political, racial, any lines, you know. So bridging those gaps to build a global community and sustain that outside of a global crisis. Yeah, I, I really want to thank the three of you. I, I want to thank you for bringing the stories. And I want to thank you for, as you say, bridging these gaps. You know, talking about things that, were, that aren't being talked in such a personal way. by your questions and concerns, please subscribe and rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud at Living with Corona-Bridging the Gaps. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at livingwithcorona.podcast, where you will find updates about our future episodes and interviewees. If you would like to share your own story, please send us a message on either platform. Again, that's livingwithcorona.podcast.com.